0: Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. ...a house group. Um, so now, a lot of you know two things about my life. Most of the sh- stories I share have to do with something to do with sports or my lack of liking pets, okay? Today, we're going to go on the lack of liking pets uh, again. So, I just, I'm too clean of a person. I, that's why I don't like, pets do things that are not clean, and so that's why I don't like them so much. But as, in a desire to be a good husband, a good father, I've tried to open up, open up myself in the past few years to some pets. They've started with fish, a uh, little tiny goldfish. Um, I don't know what number we're on right now. I don't even know the name of the fish that we're on right now. To be honest with you, that's how horrible of a person I am. The thing has been sitting on our, on our kitchen counter for like, I don't know, three years. I don't know. To, I can't think of its name for the life of me right now. But it gets fed every day. Not by me, obviously. Uh, but it gets fed and it's still alive. It's kicking. There was a bunny recently in the last past couple years. I do remember the bunny's name because it, it was a unique name. It was named Spirit by one of my kids. And so Spirit became our house pet. Um, now, I, I'm not all about bunnies coming into the house, but my wife, she started to push the, push the buttons a little bit, and she let the bunny come in and run around the house. And I get super annoyed because still there's one spot on my carpet where as I vacuum, I, I swear there is a, a pellet that has been ground into the carpet in this one spot, and it just, it kills me, okay? But then, bunny went on to the afterlife, and so then it was like, okay, what are we gonna do now? And my wife decided to get two chickens. And those two chickens, thanks to a friend of ours, turned into four chickens in like two weeks. Um, yeah, they went on vacation, and we had to watch their two chickens. And then they came back like, oh, we just want little ones now again. So you keep the okay, thanks, appreciate it. So we got four chickens, people. Now these things, these things will not come in the house because I don't know if you know much about chickens. I've learned a lot about chickens. All they do is poop. It is literally all they do all day long. And so we had the bunny hutch that we had. And so my, I would like to say that I made the bunny hutch into a chicken house thing. But I didn't. My brother-in-law did. He does all that kind of stuff for us. Thank you. And so we got this, this chicken house. I think they call it a coop, right? I don't want to talk too much about this in public because the, the town ordinances are so bad. I actually think I'm going to get arrested talking about us having chickens. Uh, Cause I don't know if we've gotten all the stuff we need for it. I don't know. Cause it's a pet. I don't. I don't know enough about them. So then this pet starts. Th- these four of them. They're they're in this chicken coop. They're wandering around. I think they got plenty of room. But according to my family, they don't have enough room to wander around. And so now they let them out of the cage. And I come home one day, and they're just they're out and about in the backyard. I'm like, they have wings. Like, they fly, don't they? They're like, no, they don't fly. Well, that one just went over the fence. So, like, um, one of the days I came home, they're, they're all wandering around. And I'm like, well, my family was all gone. They're wandering around the backyard. Not my family, the chickens. And I'm like, what's going on? Well, I, I guess this is what we do now. And so they're wandering around the yard. They're pooping all over the place. My wife cleans it up pretty well, but I will say my grass back there is looking really good. But this day that I came home from lunch, the, the chickens, all of a sudden, I'm like, they're not in the backyard anymore. Where'd they go? And I went, and I, I went around the, the corner, and the gate, the side gate is open. And I'm like, oh, no. There's going to be chickens wandering around in the street, and I'm going to jail. I don't know how this is going to happen, but it's going to happen. Well, luckily, I get out there, and they're just outside of the gate. And so here's the thing. I don't pick these things up. So I'm like, how am I going to get them back in the, gate? in the gate? So I, I start, I'm like kind of not kicking them, but kicking at them like, hey, guys, go back. And they don't go anywhere, so I get a stick. And I'm like, come on, guys, just go back in the gate. I finally get them back in the gate. Um, this, is a, this is a really big moment for me uh, that I got them back in the gate and felt good about myself. But I'm telling you, they still felt purposeless to me. Chickens feel purposeless to me. That was from April to October. They felt completely purposeless to me. And then in October, something started to happen. They started to lay these things called eggs that were the tastiest eggs that I've ever had in my entire life. And I've had more eggs in the last two months than I've had, like, the rest of my life. I love chickens. They're so amazing. I didn't know pets could, like, fill my belly like this. I finally, guys, I am growing as a human I finally found purpose in a pet. I'm very happy to acknowledge that. Now, we're talking through this series, Jesus Changes Everything. And you're like, you just talked about chickens for a long time, where are you going? Like the chickens change my purpose on having pets, Jesus changes everything when it comes to our purpose. Last week we were talking about Luke chapter 10, where Jesus takes 72 people and he sends them out as missionaries to go and tell people about Jesus. And now we're gonna get to the second part of this, Luke chapter 10. Um, Where these 72 come back and they're talking to Jesus and they're pumped. They are excited. Because Jesus has changed their purpose. Changes everything and he has now changed their purpose in life. See, it brings joy to us and it brings joy to God. When he changes everything to the point that our very purpose has become changed. How can Jesus change my purpose in such a dynamic way that it can actually bring joy to everything that I do in life? When things get hard, how can the purpose that Jesus has for me, how can it change what I'm feeling in that moment of difficulty? How can Jesus really change our perspective to one that, where we find joy no matter what? And, and I, think, I think this second part of Luke chapter 10, I'm, I'm going to be honest, there's some, there's some stuff in this passage that It sounds weird at first, uh, but I think it really helps us see that it's all about us understanding this eternal purpose that we've been given from God, that connecting with people and connecting with Jesus, that is ultimately what matters. And so we're going to take a look at this. Um, This is where the 72 have gone out, and now they've come back to Jesus, and they're really excited. And here's what it says. Luke 10, starting in verse 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord... Even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased to do. All right, so let's just talk about the elephant in the room right off the bat. There is some, there's some stuff in here that's weird. Now, I think there's some stuff in this passage that sounds really weird right off the bat. Ah. Uh. These are one of those, this is actually one of those kinds of passages that I'm not going to lie, I would, I try to gloss over when I read it and be like, I don't know what Jesus is saying, but I'm going to keep going and read the rest of the chapter. But that's not what we're going to do today. Okay, what is the weird stuff? The stuff that maybe adds more questions than answers when you first look at it. Starting at, at the beginning again, it says, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Am I the only one that thinks that that sounds like a really, really weird statement? There is a song that we sing that maybe you it's come to your mind. There's a song that starts off, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And I'm telling you, when, when Cassie had me listen to it the first time, I was like, oh, what is... Are we really going to sing a song with that lyric in it? I know it's scripture, but I, I kind of have something against um, songs where I feel like we've got to explain stuff in the verses and in the choruses a ton. Like, what is actually being said in that comment? Well, I think it's a weird statement, I actually, as we look into it, and we look into the context of what Jesus is saying to these 72 disciples— these 72 missionaries, I think it makes perfect sense in what Jesus is trying to do. He is trying to give them hope in a way that they've never had hope before. So what Jesus does is he acknowledges that, yes, these 72 people have come and they've seen demons defeated in the people that they've been ministering to, in the people that they've been going out and talking to. And it's an exciting thing. But the fact that these demons have been defeated is not the thing that they should be getting so pumped up about. Jesus says that he saw Satan fall like lightning. Now, when you first read that, uh, most of my life, I'm, I'm like, okay, that, that seems like Jesus is saying, you know, in some prehistoric time when, when this angel fell from heaven and became Satan. Is that what Jesus is talking about? But I think as you look into what's, especially what some of the, the scholars were talking about when they talk about this passage, it seems like, like what Jesus is trying to get through to the 72 is not about some prehistoric thing, but he's saying, when you see the demons being defeated in these people, I see Satan falling. I see something happening that there is power that you guys now have. There is a new era in the, in the kingdom of God that has never been seen before. And what you're seeing now, it's just the beginning of it. He's trying to give them hope that what they are experiencing, it is a powerful, powerful thing. And honestly, I think this is really exciting stuff. And, and he goes on to say, uh, in a paraphrase, he's saying, I've given you power over all things. Snakes, vipers, whatever the enemy has, you have power over it because of what God is doing. It's pretty awesome. There's, an, there's another part of this that sounds weird, though. Uh, this idea that he's talking about, about being able to trample snakes and scorpions. Can I be honest? There's a fringe group of Christians out there who thinks that this means we're supposed to be able to handle scorpions and snakes and not get hurt. If that's what church is about, I'm out. Okay? Snakes should be nowhere. This is why I live as far away from Florida as I can in Arizona. And it's not because I like cold weather. It's because I hate snakes. And every time I even see a little garter snake when I'm... If I'm out for a run and there's a little garter snake, I all of a sudden, get like happy feet and I run as far away from it as I can. And people are like, it's a, it's a dead little snake. I don't know, it could come back. That's, that's the way that I think about snakes. He's not saying, in, like actually talking about snakes and scorpions here. He's talking about things that are evil. Yes, snakes are evil. He's saying all things that are evil, God has given us authority over it. Again, it's a really powerful statement that Jesus is trying to make. But then he gives us a warning And he cautions us against becoming too enamored with the sensational. Jesus says, don't be glad that the spirits submit to you, that these demons are being defeated. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Jesus is saying that the thing that deserves most excitement is that you have gotten your place secured by God in heaven because of what Jesus did on the cross. The excitement that these 72 have experienced in seeing what What has been happening around them it's not wrong but Jesus is trying to kind of redirect their joy into what is eternal you'll find this up on the screen real joy is finding that greater purpose comes through eternal victories than everyday victories you want real joy in your life I am telling you start to look for the eternal victories rather than just the everyday victories something will happen where if you're just looking for everyday victories guess what you're going to be disappointed a lot because you're going to have everyday losses so much of the time. Um, but eternal victories, they, they spur in us a joy that, that doesn't happen any other way. I can't tell you how many times my mind has been in a bad place because of the things that have been going on in my life. And then all it takes is for me to think about, man, my kids, my kids love and know Jesus. I know that I have a place with God eternally. And it's funny how that one little thought, when it turns to the eternal, can change what we're thinking. It really does bring us a victory, a joy. And that's what Jesus, I think, is trying to remind these 72 missionaries in this passage. And the warning, I think, that he gives, it still applies to today. Uh, I think sometimes Christians and churches, sometimes we get too enamored with things that don't matter as much. We look at the things that are everyday things and we get super excited about them or we get super down about them and we forget to see the eternal. Um, Honestly, church music is one of those things. Do you know how many churches have been torn apart because of church music? It's ridiculous. Can I actually say this? I think one of the worst examples that we can give to people who don't know Jesus yet is to be people who are too focused on the everyday things rather than the eternal things. They might not even believe in the eternal. But they know deep down that people who follow Jesus, it should all be about the eternal. And if we are too focused on the everyday, if you're so focused on, man, the the church music is just not what I want to be, and you get upset about that, guess what? People outside the church are going to look at that and go, that seems wrong. And so we need to be careful about that stuff. Don't get too enamored by the sensational things. Don't get too enamored by the everyday things that don't hold weight to the eternal. That's why Jesus, I think, sharing Jesus can be such a joy maker in our lives. Sharing Jesus, you get into this place where you get to be a part of helping to share somebody's eternal, shape somebody's eternal destiny. That is an incredible gift that we are given. Sharing about the weather is just talking. Now, it's not bad for us to go and talk to people about the weather, but have you ever walked away from a conversation about the weather and been like, Man, that was refreshing. Nope. No, we live in Wisconsin. Every time you talk about the weather, it's like, man, this stinks. It's gonna be snowy in July. It doesn't matter. Talking about the weather doesn't get us anywhere. Talking about things that have eternal purpose behind it, there is a joy that we can find in that. And if we're not careful, we can get up, caught up trying to win at things that really don't matter like eternity matters. Now, I think Jesus was, was actually trying to warn these 72 missionaries, keep your eyes on the real prize. Yeah, it's really cool to see demons being defeated in people's lives. Are they turned into Jesus? The weird thing is that even good things, when they become the focus of our attention, they can take us away from the thing that is most important. It happens all the time in our lives. Really good things in your life. Man, I'm telling you, it is... Sports for kids is an amazingly awesome thing. But man, sports for kids can take, us, take our eyes off the prize, right? And all of a sudden now it looks like, man, our whole family, our eyes are just kind of off the prize a little bit because we've been focused on something that we shouldn't maybe as much. There's a real temptation also in getting caught up in culture wars rather than eternal matters. I think we all think whatever side you are on different culture wars, We all think that those culture wars are important in a sense. Because it's things that we value. And so I want to change people's minds in terms of what those culture wars are. But here's the problem. When it comes to culture wars, there's always going to be a winner and there's going to be a loser. For me to win at a culture war means that I'm probably going to have to say things and do things that's going to make people on the other side hate me. I think what Jesus is trying to say is all these things where there's winning and losing... That's not what we're most supposed to be about. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, it is not a win and loss type of thing. It is a free good news win every time that we're able to give it out. It's not about winning and losing. And sometimes as Christians, we are too, too often we can make things about winning and losing. And and so what happens is we don't win people for Jesus. I think Jesus wants to redirect our joy to things that are eternal nothing matters more than what is eternal and most everything else is really trivial at best. If we can walk away with that understanding and walk through the rest of our week this week with the understanding that all these things that I'm I'm struggling over, it actually is kind of trivial compared to knowing Jesus, our minds will be in a better place. Our hearts will be in a better place. Think about all the things that you experience in life. Everything that you've ever done. Now think about 50 years after you die. Not one person's going to remember any of that. Almost ever. That's just the the truth of the way it is. I think about how often I get so wrapped up in the things that are going on. So wrapped up in the frustrations that I'm experiencing. And when my mind goes to the point of, hey, you know what? In a short time from now, or maybe a a really long time from now, I'm not even going to think about this situation anymore. It actually helps me to change that mind. That's getting an eternal mindset. That this is not, this is not the end of the road. This is not that big a deal in, this, in the whole scope of eternal things. Sometimes we've got to get to where we remind ourselves of that. Eternity is so important that we need to remind ourselves that there is great value in simply risking a little bit of ourselves to affect change in somebody else's Eternity. We get so wrapped up in what's going on in my life right now. I'm telling you, I think what Jesus wanted these 72 to understand was it is not about you anymore. It is 100% about the kingdom of God. What are you going to do for the kingdom of God that brings some eternal value today? How are you going to change the way that you're looking at the world? Maybe the real victory is, is simply found in making an attempt to share Jesus with somebody that will impact them for eternal purposes. Now, I was reading through through a a book about parables uh, a couple weeks back. And one of the guys talked about the parable of tenants. One of the probably more famous parables. It's about this rich guy who's got a lot of property, a lot of money, and he decides to go on a journey. And what he does is he gives to three different servants, he gives uh, some talents. He gives some coins. And so he gives five coins to one dude, he gives two coins to another, and he gives one coin to the last guy and the three guys that all kind of went about this a different way the the first guy who had five talents and the second guy who had two talents jesus talks about in the parable that they went out and they they risked something they went out and they tried to make more of that money They, they started a business whatever they did and when when the master came back and he's saying hey what what happened to the the talents i gave you the first one with five is like hey i went out and made something of it and here's five more the one with two said, I went out and I took, took the two you gave me and I made two more. Here you go. And the master was so pumped up about it that he's like, hey, great job. Well done. Keep it. Awesome. But then the last guy who had one talent, he was so afraid of this master. The guy had more money than him. He, he probably saw him as an intimidating figure. And so he went and he buried his one talent. When the master came back, the master's like, hey, where, where is it? Takes him out into the field and he's like, hey, here it is. I buried it for you because I know, you're, I know you're, kind of, you're kind of a jerk. And I didn't want you to, like, get mad at me. So here's your, here's your one. I didn't want to lose it. And the guy goes, how, how evil are you? Like, these other guys went out and they made something of it. You just, you didn't even put it in the bank to get some interest for me when I came back. You knew I was shrewd and, and you didn't even get interest for it. Here, let's take that one and let's give it to the guy with Ten. And we look at that and we see, we see a, 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 it's, that that's all about um, making, making good of what God has given to you. About stewardship. But I love what the guy that was writing this book on this parable, he said this. It turns out that this parable is not so much about stewardship and productivity as it is about taking risks for the master's benefit. That is what pleases the Lord. When I can look at things with an eternal perspective, it means that I, I know God will will well, let me take some risk and, and share him with other people and he's going to bring fruit to that. The victory is in being willing to take a little bit of risk on behalf of Jesus. If there, is, if there is a possibility of an eternal benefit for those around you, take a risk. God is the one who brings that risk to bear fruit. You don't have to bring that risk to bear fruit. Every time you tell something about Jesus, it's not like it... it Jesus is the one who bear fruit to that. I actually love a prayer. My dad told me uh, quite a while ago uh, a prayer that he would make uh, most days when he would go to the office to work as a pastor. He would say, Lord, help me to do things today that will make a difference in eternity. Can I tell you how much I love that prayer? That prayer has become a, it, I try to make it an everyday prayer. It's probably not everyday, but every week at least I'm trying to say that prayer. Lord, help me to do something today that makes a difference for eternity getting my eyes off of myself. Uh, You know, so many times our prayers can be, Lord, change this thing for me. Lord, change this situation for me. This idea, Lord, help me to make a difference in eternity today. It doesn't matter what my circumstances are, God is going to change the way that I'm looking at life. You will find joy when you know that you're doing things that affect eternity. Now, speaking of joy, I want to look back to to Luke 10 21 because Luke actually uses a word here that's really interesting in describing the emotions of Jesus. Um, in Luke 10 21 Jesus sorry Luke uses this word it's a Greek word agale, agaleo. and now my Greek is awful I know nothing of Greek so if you know Greek I'm sorry that I butchered that but what that word means is joy it means exceedingly glad What he actually said was, Jesus was full of joy through the Holy Spirit. He's saying, Jesus was exceedingly glad. Now I think of Jesus, when I think about Jesus all the time, I think of him as an exceedingly glad kind of guy. I mean, he's Jesus. He's loving, he's kind, he's good, he should be, right? I'm actually wondering now if maybe Jesus was a little bit more even-keeled emotionally. Because I want you to understand, this is the only time in the entire New Testament when talking about the emotions of Jesus that it uses this word for joy. That he was exceedingly glad what does that tell me it tells me that the thing that makes jesus exceedingly glad more than anything else is when people are coming into the kingdom of god there is nothing that makes jesus more glad than people getting to know who jesus is when you and i catch on to this idea i think we get to experience that kind of being exceedingly glad kind of experience when everyday opportunities Turn into opportunities to share Jesus with somebody in in our life around us. Life just takes on a different purpose altogether. Life gets pretty fun when stuff starts becoming about the eternal matters. You know, a bunch of years ago now, it's probably like four or five years ago, there was a young girl who was, she was a part of our youth ministry. She was in her first year of college at this point. Um, Her name's Elena. She sings up here quite a bit. And... I remember an experience I had with her. She brought a friend to youth group. Um, and this friend stayed, like the second week that she came, she stayed and talked to me for a while after youth group. And in the midst of that conversation, uh, she, 100% she accepted Jesus as her savior. And I was talking to Elena a couple days later, and she was like, hey, what, what happened in that conversation? And I said, hey, your friend gave her life to Jesus. And the tears that welled up in her eyes, I was like, this kid gets it. That's awesome. Like, there's, a, there's something so fun and awesome about realizing when eternal things are happening. They make everything else seem like it is nothing. Most of us, we probably have some anxiety when it comes to sharing our faith. But I tell you, real joy can be found in sharing Jesus and making a difference in somebody else's eternity. Don't forget that Jesus also talked in this passage about the authority that he, he gives us. You know, uh, it says in Matthew 28, this is the great commission that Jesus gives to us. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples. And at the end of it, he says, surely I'm going to be with you until the very end of the age. He gives us authority to do this. And so many times we, we, get, we get worried about going to things that are eternal. But I like what this guy uh, writing about this, this passage in Luke. Uh, guy writes this in an NIV application commentary. He says, What is not often appreciated is the unbreakable link Jesus places between himself and his messengers. They are commissioned in such a way that they represent him. For people to hear them is to hear Jesus. For people to reject them is to reject Jesus. Now that one always gives me some, some pause. The fact that when people hear me and they know I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus, that I am a representation of Jesus, that's heavy, <laughs> but it's also pretty awesome. People cannot separate Jesus from those who hear his message. And this link extends beyond the 12 to all who faithfully preach his message. This type of linkage is not unlike the authority we give to an ambassador today. The ambassador represents his country and what he says the government says. What it comes down to, you guys, is Jesus really does change everything to the point that he changes our very purpose in life. The day before, when we, before we knew Jesus, everything was about this life. There was nothing beyond it. There was nothing that we looked at beyond this. The day that Jesus came into our lives, everything changed. It doesn't become about me any longer, but it becomes about this eternal perspective. How can I bring somebody else to the place where they're a little closer to knowing this Jesus that I know? I'm telling you, if you're struggling as a, as a believer, if you're struggling to find joy in your life, if you're struggling to find purpose in your life, I think there might not be anything else that would give you joy and purpose more than taking on an eternal mindset in your relationships with people. Ask God, man, God, can you do, help me to do one thing today that makes a difference in eternity? And I tell you what, if you find that you're having a conversation that that has that eternal difference maker quality to it, you're going to walk away from that day feeling way more joyful than you were any other day. As followers of Jesus, this is what gives us joy. Now I'll say this, if you're here today and all this eternity stuff and this Jesus stuff, it doesn't, you're just not sure you're quite there yet. I want to encourage you on just one really simple thing this morning. Make time to think about your eternity. I'm not asking you to make a decision, I'm not asking you to do anything but to think about your eternity for a little bit. You know, we plan for things in advance so much. We plan for our kids' college. We plan for what's going to happen tomorrow night in the next week. We have plans in our calendar for a, week, a year down the road or four years down the road. And yet we so rarely think to take time to think about our eternity. You might have life insurance. Uh, hey, that's a great thing. <laughs> if you don't, go get it. Okay? Life insurance is good. But I'm telling you, there's nothing more important for the moment you die than what you, what you did with Jesus. There's nothing more important on, on our death, but there's nothing we're going to wish more if we're followers of Jesus that we had actually taken a little bit of time to think about the eternity and have conversations with the people that we love and that matter to us the most. Don't get in the rut as a believer of just living every day as though it's just just today. We live in something that's so much bigger than that. I believe that we can have this kind of exceedingly glad nature about us like Jesus did. I believe when we start to look at things through the eternal mindset, the way that Jesus was seeing things through the eternal mindset, people coming to him, there will be purpose and there will be joy like we've never had before. So, that's, my, that's my, my question for you today. Are you willing to say, Lord, help me to do things today that have an eternal purpose? Help me to be willing to step, step out and, and be a little courageous and, and take a little risk and have a conversation with somebody that might actually make a difference for their eternity. I'm telling you, I don't think that there will be a joy or a purpose that you're going to find that will be better than that. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.